I almost think generative AI is a misnomer because it's not actually generating anything new. It's by definition repackaging what it has understood and what it is taking from other people's work. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's Sales Strategy Enablement Podcast. I'm Alistair Wilcox, CSRO here at Revenue.io, joined by my co-host, the famous, infamous revenue science expert, Howard Brown, CEO, multi-founder. And we are super excited to have a special guest with us today, Jessica Gilmore, CMO at Calendly, formerly head of revenue marketing at Asana, a graduate and pioneer from Wharton School of Marketing Strategy. And Jessica, we're thrilled to have you with us. You've been through some successful rides, other rides, and and lived through it all as it pertains to marketing and growing scaling companies. Welcome. Thank you. I, I appreciate you call them other rides versus failures. So thanks very much for that. <laughs> well, I, when I was at Gardner, I did a lot of work around, you know, wool stalls and these growth of companies. And look, I I tend not to look at them a failure. They may not have driven the financial result, but they sure do drive the education and learning. And 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 while we're in it, at least we're helping people, inspiring people to whatever that is. Absolutely, 100%. Howard, you know, as Jessica's been through some of those rides, I know it's near and dear to you as well in terms of growing and scaling these companies. But we have had a busy week as always in the news, a busy week in the world of generative AI. And as we have Jessica here, I think we really wanted to dive into today its impact on marketing, what it means to go to market. But I'm going to start with this kind of news thing that CNBC just came out with a couple of days ago. And that was looking at the world of marketing. And, and they said, and I'm going to read a quote from the article, in terms of how we market work now, the output, the quality, the volume they were able to put out how you can get this personalized as a result of using generative AI is completely changing everything in marketing. And they go on to cite that, you know, basically even just ad copy, basic stuff like that. What took 30 minutes before is down to 15 or 10 minutes. When Jessica and Howard, I think of that and, and we're seeing this. And that's a very basic example, I think. But also, I don't know that I have seen in the past two decades something that this quickly is reducing time to value by by 50%, 60%, 70%. What's your thoughts when you hear that article from CNBC? It's it's really interesting. Obviously, um, you know, we can't get through 15 minutes without talking about AI. So I, I get it. And it's incredibly exciting. I'd also say we have to be really careful and really thoughtful because so much of marketing is still about the connection and the emotion that you create. And it's about a deep understanding of your customers and your product and how your product can really provide value to your customers. And so AI is a great enabler and a great tool, but I still fundamentally believe it has to come down to the people and the creativity. And I don't think that that changes. And so I worry a little bit that, and, and from what I have seen talking to other marketers, that they, they want to skip past the creativity and the and the beauty and the magic and the art and go right towards the efficiency. And I, and I don't know that that in the long term is actually going to do any of us a service. Howard, what do you think when you hear that? And, and I want to cue in on something Jessica said there on the empathy side and the emotion side. Yeah. So as we've always talked about, I believe that AI is really 
a tool to help augment human intelligence, to augment human creativity, and how we use artificial intelligence to help us move from the mundane to the real human connection, helping us really connect with other people. And certainly empathy is a big part of that. If you think of empathy as really understanding where someone's coming from, their situation, the context around that, we can't just ask machines to do that for us. We cannot ask machines today to simply replace the human connection. And I think great marketers, and it sounds like Jessica, you're clearly one of them, obsess on what is important to the customer, where the customer's needs meet and fit what we provide for them. And so that there's that alignment of customer understanding and then the value we provide the customers. And if you aren't out there talking to your customers, if you're not understanding your prospects, it makes it incredibly difficult to just ask AI to generate something for you because even the best AI requires you deliver both context, you know, when you're prompt engineering, you can't just say, hey, write this piece of marketing. You have to come up with all of the parameters. How you understand those parameters involves doing the research, spending time with customers, talking to your teams, and then providing that to the tool to then generate for you. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's so interesting. I almost think generative AI is a misnomer because it's not actually generating anything new. It's by definition repackaging what it has understood and what it is taking from other people's work. And so somebody still has to generate the ideas. They still have to generate the understanding of the customer and understanding of what is new and what is fresh and different. And AI can be an enabler to help you to make sure that the tone is right and to give you a bunch of different options, but it is not generating anything new. So what is your biggest concern in terms of when you hear something like the article or the piece that Alistair was talking about, how will that negatively impact expectations from the C-suite, from our customers, um, from our teams? What are you seeing as potential downside impact? Well, yeah, I, I see it so much like the growth of SEO, <laughs> right? So about 10 years ago was when everybody started, 15 years ago was when everybody started to generate huge amounts of content so we could all rank for Google's algorithm. And so that became the thing that everybody had to do. And that became the thing that marketers were told to do, which is pump out enormous amounts of content. And so we did that and they were really poor quality content. And there's still lots of companies that do that and lots of companies that are told that we have to do that. And so I worry a little bit about the same thing, which is the expectation is that we just put out a lot of very generic content because that's considered successful, which is volume equals success. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I, you know, I always want to focus on quality and I'll also focus on business results. You know, my, my job is not to generate an enormous volume mm -hmm. as efficiently as possible of content. My job is to help hit the company's revenue numbers. And so I believe the way to do that is not just by putting out a bunch of generic content. It's by creating a brands that people love and that people believe in and are passionate about and putting up really high quality work that creates a connection between my company and, and my customers. Yeah. So it, it's the quality versus quantity argument that I have an efficiency argument that I've seen for many years. 
Yeah. And I think I would also just correlate it to the amount of outreach that people do via email has just become complete spam, right? It's useless. And even though they try and personalize it, personalization at scale typically hasn't worked. It's just created a lot of noise. So the question becomes, how do you actually use these tools for personalization, for context, for taking the creativity and making people not only more efficient, but then more effective. And I want to press on that piece to you both. What is personalization? Because I, I see, I, I think a lot of people and, and no offense to my, the marketing marketers of the world, but a lot of times they're like, well, personalization is, well, we looked at the person's name. I found some fun fact about, you know, something that they, they, they like, and oh, and by the way, I, I slapped some industry stuff on there that they had mm-hmm. right now. It's better than not doing anything, I suppose. But is that really the goal we're going for in personalization? Yeah. So I, I would say not. I mean, the number of emails that I get from salespeople that say, hey, I saw that you worked at Google and went to Wharton. And I was like, no, I, I do know my resume. Thank you for sharing that. And listen, I have deep empathy for salespeople as a tough, tough job. But I agree. That's not relevant. I uh one of the things that I find most important from a personalization perspective, um, which is why we lean very heavily into intent tools, is really about understanding what are the priorities of the company? What are the priorities of the people that you're reaching out to? So for me, that that to me is personalization, which is what are the top priorities of the company that you're trying to reach? And what do they care about? And who are the people that care about it? So you know, I get so much outreach and the reality is, is that I'm not the one that is responsible for demand generation. I have somebody that is responsible for that. I'm not the one responsible for PR. I'm not the one responsible for product marketing. And so doing your homework and figuring out the person that lives and dies and thinks about that 50 hours a week, that's the person you have to reach. And then understanding what they care about and what are they searching and what are their teams searching, that to me is the most effective way to market and sell to somebody. I would agree, by the way, and and I think back to the Gardner base, everyone would agree with that, Jessica, overall. I want to frame it this way, though, as I think about that, where I think the challenge is. I happened to be at a meetup just Monday, just, just a short time ago, and in there, there was CDO and uh, CISO from a, a, a big city. I won't name which one. There was also a couple other people. That one was from a very big hospitality company and stuff like that, and they all want to talk about generative. They want to talk about what it was. And and look, I would say I'm I'm on the spectrum of I, I'm a big believer in AI adoption, where it's going, provocateur and all of these things and, and, and think it's going to really disrupt a lot of areas that people aren't thinking about. And I was struck because in that conversation, they were the ones actually pushing me going, we think you're wrong. We think this is actually total replacement, displacement of some of the marketing functions, some of these sales functions. I said, well, hold on, turn to them. People still need, I went down the personalization route, a modicum of personalization. They need some of that. I said, maybe, but they said, but honestly, when we run the numbers between good enough and volume, good enough understanding of a certain situation, good enough in terms of getting within the ballpark of a price to drive an engagement, they go, so far, the tools are looking better than what the people can do. So so it's an interesting thing where I go, all right, well, are we actually staring at a resurgence like we saw when SEO came along of, yeah, we're actually about to see a massive uptick on volume because you can actually just be good enough to drive an incremental result 
rather than as kind of protecting what we we know is right. We know it's better to be more empathetic and look at customers and really understand that. But at the end of the day, I'm just trying to drive pipeline. Yeah, I, I totally understand that argument. And I would say that that is a pretty short-sighted argument because the companies that are successful in the long term and that drive long-term brand value are ones that create really beautiful brands that speak to their customers, that understand their customers and provide value. And you saw that with SEO. I mean, there was just so much out there. And for a short period of time, it worked. And then people stopped visiting those sites. They stopped, you know, Google got smart about how it ranked content that was just not that high quality and not that relevant. And people have to spend a lot of time on not only what are the keywords, but what are the calls to action and what is the path and what's the journey and what happens when somebody hits a page? You know, what is the right path for them afterwards? That's all human. I just don't think that you can ask a computer to think about all of the different ways that human beings interact and engage with your content and ultimately end up engaging with your team. So I completely believe and I 100% believe that AI will take some jobs and it will take a lot of the mundane and automated tasks off of RT, which is fantastic. I don't want a copywriter writing 150 versions of an ad. I think it's fantastic that AI can do it, but I absolutely want a copywriter who is working with my product marketer and working with my brand team to come up with the first 10 versions of it because I just believe over the long term that that's the way that my company is going to be successful and I'm happy to compete against companies that don't believe that because I don't think that they will be successful all long term. I love the gauntlet. Competition set. We should get a, a bucket of companies and put them in, in, in and see. But I, I would tend to agree with you, Jessica. And it's it's a point we tried to make in the roundtable the other day that augmented AI, I think is the that that's where you're gonna see the big game. Right. I think everybody wants to it's it's easy to jump to the news headline of displacement, but augmenting is always a better way. And I think that's actually where the real results kick in. And, and Howard, you've spent a long time now and, and not just in generative, but years in the AI space. And I, I would say augmentation is exactly where you see this going. And it's what's worked in changing behavior, changing engagement to date. What do you think about that roundtable discussion? Well, I think the jury's still out in many ways. I think we're learning on a daily basis where to apply this technology and and where we can, you know, see benefits both in terms of efficiency and effectiveness. One thing for all of us to consider is the very definition of work. You know, how we think about what people are employees, what human beings are doing with their time. What should we actually automate? What should we get rid of? We talk about the word mundane or repetitive tasks. Like as human beings, is that really what we want our people doing? Or do we want them connecting with other humans? Do we want them to use things that make us uniquely human, our creativity, our passion, our empathy, those sort of things? So I think it's an opportunity to look at our employees, look at our companies, look at our expectations for the people we have, and let's start changing some of the requirements of their jobs, their descriptions, and figure out how we can, rather than just get rid of people, start to train people on the skills that really matter for 
not just today, but for the future. If you just poo-poo generative and you don't understand how to empower your employees to use it every day, figuring out a way, give them 20 minutes. Spend time on ChatGPT. Think about ways that you could use this technology to improve your performance, to make you better at work. You're probably missing the mark. Like we, Jessica, you talk about 50 hours a week employees. Great. Give them five hours, give them two hours to use generative and come up with different ways that will help them be more creative, more effective. And let's see what comes out of it. And Jessica, as I think about uh, this going forward as well, you know, I think a lot of the times, one of the struggles we often have in enablement and sales and the coordination with marketing and, and generative, where that fits in, you're rolling out a new product. You got a bunch of new hires. You're scaling the company. We're doing a bunch of things. Boy, I wish they were on brand point. Boy, I wish they would just ramp a little bit quicker on our story. Or, you know, you get in marketing, you get new new people to come in and, well, I got an idea and great. I like that you got an idea, but also we have a series of things we're trying to just reinforce and get to market and get to scaled in, in some way. We're, we're talking about a lot of the risks of what it can't do, but where does generative fit in on what it can do for helping scale product launches, helping scale enablement, helping scale and drive consistency of brand message in every conversation. Mm-hmm. How are you thinking about that from a, a Calendly? How do you think about that previously from other places? Yeah, I, I would say that is by far the number one way I'm excited about using AI is, is definitely that tone check. We for sure have that issue here and we've had it at every company I've worked at when you have 40 writers among different you know team members 100 writers, one different team members, everybody is going to have a different way of working and communicating. And no matter how many style guides you create and no matter how many proofing processes you have, you still have this issue where people don't understand how to really fully express the tone and the voice and the brand. And it drives me bananas. It's actually one of the things I think I drive my team bananas because I am I constantly am harping about it. And I, I have a very particular way that, that I want to have the brand expressed. And it's something I learned at Google and it's something that we did at Asana, which is very much about human speak. It's very, and it's keeping it very positive, very constructive, very focused on customer use cases and inspiring. And we're constantly veering off in other directions. And so I am very excited about AI as that final editor and the final check around the tone and the brand. So I could not agree more that that, that is how we use it. That's how I always will want to use it. And I actually have a very funny story, if I can divert for a little bit. Yeah. So I have a, an amazing event coordinator, event leader. And uh, it was one of my, one of my first weeks here. And we were trying to figure out the backdrop for one of our conference booths and, you know, sort of a tagline. And given that this was my first, you know, the first time I was reviewing something and she kept coming back to me over and over again with these very formal stiff, very typical marketing speak. And I was like, no, that's not right. No, that's not right. It's got to be human. It's got to be human. And she came back to me finally with the perfect human speak line. I was like, that's it. And she's like, yeah, I threw this to ChatGPT. <laughs> so it's like, perfect. So we, we got our human speak through AI. Very cool. I think it's amazing. Jessica, We I could go on all day on this and the impact. And I think you know, we're just at the tip of the iceberg and we're, we're only just beginning to think about the possibilities of what can occur here. And how that's going to impact marketing through the enablement all the way through to, you know, the brand story to our customers. But we are out of time. So I'm going to have to pause us here. We always love to kind of wrap up each session 
with asking you to choose from uh, three facts we're going to throw at you relative to today's conversation and see if you can figure out which is the right one, the wrong ones, and uh, go from there. So how are you feeling? You ready? I'm terrible at these, but sure. Lots of pressure here. Big, <laughs> big pressure. Big pressure. Big pressure. Here we go. All right. So recent articles suggested that brands are increasingly using generative AI tools to create digital ads, digital copy, digital content. True or false? More than half of the brands are now using generative AI tools across the Fortune 500 space. More than half of them are using generative AI tools to create digital content ads and engagement, making copywriters as endangered as pandas. Number two. Okay. Generative AI has been adopted by more than 90% of the Fortune 500 companies for their marketing strategies, making it the most popular employee next to the coffee machine. Number three. Generative AI can now accurately predict customer behavior up to three years, 36 months in advance, making it better than your local psychic. Oh, you A. Go A. The A is brands are increasingly using AI to create digital content copy. That is more than half, more than 50% of the Fortune 500 now using generative AI to do so. And that is correct. <laughs> well, that's the first time I've ever gotten one of these random things correct. So I feel pretty proud of myself. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it is fantastic having you on here, Jessica. Final question. Look, we, we love to talk about moments. We talk, we've all had moments in history. We've had things we'd love to redo or we'd love to see happen in the future. When you think of a special moment that you would love to create, the final word is yours. You know, what does that look like to you? What, what's the moment you want to create going forwards in this world of generative AI? Well, before we started recording, we were talking about our kids. And so, of course, it always has to come down to my kids. So can I, um, I would say that the moment I want to, to create forever is the ability for, for me to continue to hug and kiss my kids forever and they not be um, horrified that their mom is still giving that affection. I could not agree more. And we had the discussion and there's nothing like when your child tells you that, that you need to lay off the affection. And so just take it all in, enjoy it. And uh, yeah, I guess also remember that probably giving mom and dad a hug and kiss is probably pretty important for each of us as well. Absolutely. And the inner British of me, I'm going to take that advice, run it through ChatGPT and just get some uh, parting words of wisdom from it on how to apply both of your emotional states to my own life. Good luck. And uh, see if I can improve my huggability. <laughs> Jessica, it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For those listening in, please remember to like and subscribe. Plus, call in your questions. Or I listen to those and attempt to address them on future episodes. And have yourselves a wonderful afternoon.